Well, welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Adam Carroll. Uh, Adam is, uh, you know, is an author, a very well-known author, is also a TEDx speaker. And uh, through the use of the Shred Method, Adam Carroll paid off his home in record time, saving over $180,000 in interest in the process. He's sharing his strategy with the world in order to help people free themselves to be themselves. He's also a big proponent of the FIRE movement. We're going to talk about that. And uh, Adam has published four books, produced an award-winning documentary on student loan debt. It has a TED Talk with over 5 million views, and he helps people achieve true financial freedom in their lives. More than financial freedom, Adam is all about helping people achieve time freedom, relationship freedom, and service freedom. Adam, welcome to the show. Eric, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, that's, that'd be great because I think the, uh, so let's talk about, um, you talk about the, uh, we talk a lot about money, right? I mean, so yeah. I want to have financial freedom, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, I mean, this is why I like, I like your last line. I mean, it's really about time. Everybody get the same number of minutes yes. every day. Uh, it's about relationship and it's about service. So I think this is, yes. these are the things that are truly important. Yes, money is important, but this is not the end goal and it shouldn't be the end goal. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Zig Ziglar, I think, was famous for saying that money is not the most important thing, but it ranks right up there with oxygen on the gotta have it scale. So <laughs> yeah. It yeah. is important. It's important. Yeah. And unfortunately for most of us, we we conflate money and what money is actually there for, which is yeah. options and choices and, and uh, you know, li the lifestyle, living the lifestyle that we most want to live. Yeah. Um, Candidly, Eric, where the, the the freedoms came from was I was at a conference years ago and I was sitting next to this guy who was in a rumpled button down shirt and kind of uh, jeans that looked like he pulled out of the hamper. Mm -hmm. And he was ordering every single book that people mentioned from stage. And within the first couple of hours, he had probably ordered 25 or 30 books. And I'm sitting there like, who is this guy? And how, how, does, how does he have the time to read these if he's yeah. even reading them? And the uh, facilitator of the group said, I'd like people to stand up and give a credibility statement. And so this guy raised his hand and I thought, oh, this ought to be good. What's he going to say? And he stood up and he said, my name is Matt. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And I sold my first software company for $14 million. <laughs> and then he sat down <laughs> and I leaned over and I said, Hey man, can I buy you lunch? I want to know, <laughs> know everything. And so we go to lunch and he said, what do you want to know? And I said, how did, where did the money come from? How did this work? And he said, let me go deeper than that. The money itself is great to have, but what the money gives me is time because those yeah. who have money have time Yeah. and the time uh, means I get to build great relationships and the relationships allow me to be of service to people in my life. Yeah. So really these are the legacies we have to leave. Yeah. Financial freedom, time, freedom, uh, sorry, money, freedom, time, freedom, relationship, freedom, and service yeah, freedom. Yeah. And for me too, uh, the other important factor is also legacy. So it's passing legacy. on that freedom to, to my children. Um, so that's some, you know, it doesn't make sense for my children to start from ground zero and for right. their children to start from ground zero. I think they should be kind of like uh, stepping over my dead body to rise up higher. So, right. <laughs> right. Not necessarily dead. They don't have to wait for that time, but you know, it's, I think it's very important to kind of raise them up and then bring them up so that they can, they, as a family, you can achieve 
higher heights. I could not agree more. I think that um, it, it is a major disservice for parents not to teach their kids financial literacy yeah. early. Yeah. I mean, what, what are we doing with them? If not raising them to be good stewards of their life, their resources, their time, et cetera. But to their, uh, you know, uh, to defend them, uh, most people don't know about financial yeah. literacy in the first yeah. place. So, True. so where do they get that kind of information? I know for a fact, you're not getting that from the education system. I mean, you're getting some information that's going to be useful when you're yes. going to work for the big man. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, other than that, where, where do you get that information? Where do you get like credible financial literacy information? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, obviously, podcasts like yours and, and groups, <clears throat> communities, I think people need to have a hunger to go find it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think you're right. The majority of folks out there, if they grow up in a house where money is a taboo subject, Yes, uh, we don't talk about it for various reasons because it caused conflict yeah. you know, early in their life or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, I think people have to really generate the hunger. Yeah. And um, and I candidly, one of the things for me years and years ago was I interacted with someone who said, hey, you seem to have a good head on your shoulders. Go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. Go read the cash flow quadrant. Go read the wealthy barber, uh, think and grow rich, the richest man in Babylon. And he just went down this list. Yeah. Yeah. And he became that, one that of my the first... man that was buying all the books at the back of the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it would be seen the same, wouldn't it? It was not, it was not him surprisingly, but, uh, that'd be a good, that'd be a good twist to my story. He told me all these books I should read. <laughs> hey, yeah. ooh, it happened to be the same guy. <laughs> so, so tell us about, uh, so you paid off your home in record time. So yeah. how did you do that? I mean, a house is often more a burden. I, mean, I know that Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Kiyosaki calls yeah. a home a liability. A liability. Uh, and I know that a lot of the wealthy people, I mean, they don't even own their home. They rent their home uh, yeah. because they see it as a liability. Exactly. Yep. So tell us about how you, uh, about your home and how you, uh, you were able to accelerate the payment and save so much interest. Yes. In, um, well, first of all, it's probably safe to, to um, throw out there that I was in the mortgage business for a number of years. And the way we made our money was in refinances and some yeah. purchase money business. But in a refinance, what I kept noticing was every time someone would come in to refinance, we would reset the clock to zero, yeah. right? They'd been in it two years, 24 months in, they'd made all their payments. We were going to tack on another $2,500 to $5,000 in fees. And then maybe we'd save them, you know, whatever it was, 75 to $200 a month in mm -hmm. payment, right? If the rate was going down. Yeah. But, but what kept getting me was we're resetting the clock to zero. Yeah. And when we do that, the, the compound interest clock just starts all over again, right? There are the amortization table. And so I started digging into, is there a way to game the amortization table? Can, can mm -hmm. you play games with that? Can you use the bank's logic against the bank and was introduced to a piece of software, <clears throat> which ended up becoming the shred method. Um, and essentially what we do, Eric is, or what we did, my wife and I did was we realized that all of the little, the, the savings accounts and the investment funds and all these things that we were dollar cost averaging into yep. was largely inefficient mm -hmm. because we still had these massive debts that we were paying off in the way of student loans and mortgages and so on and so forth. And so in 2012, I got really serious about using the shred method software. And 
for three years, we were diligent about making the payments as, as the system suggested we do. Yeah. And in that amount of time, we took a, uh, about a $260,000 mortgage down to 40,000 bucks. Wow. And at that point in time, I started doing the math like, well, I have a, a home equity line of credit. I'll just pay off the mortgage with the HELOC. Mm-hmm. I have a much smaller payment. Yeah. And at the time, what happened was, you know, we live in a, a now a now finished 5,200 square foot home. And in 2015, when I paid off the mortgage with the HELOC, our interest only payment on that HELOC was around $230 a month. Oh, really? So, so I'm living in this <laughs> beautiful home for 230 bucks a month. Yeah. And I have control of about $150,000 in equity because mm-hmm. I have a line of credit that's yeah. 200 grand, right? And I realized at that moment that what I have here is something that many, many people need to understand. Maybe not to be completely out of debt, but at the very least to efficiently control their cash flow well. Yeah, yeah. So what about, is HELOC a good time right now to do the HELOC? I mean, I would be a little bit concerned right now to do a HELOC because most of them are adjustable. They are. Most of them are callable, yeah. uh, which means that at any point in time, the bank can give you a call. <laughs> That's why it's callable. And they yes. say, you know what? Your line of credit, we need you to either pay it off or uh, you know, you need to convert it to a loan if yes. you qualify. Yes. Uh, this is something that happened in 2008. A lot of the yeah. lines of credits and HELOCs were actually frozen and some of them were caught like doing yeah. that. So, uh, and maybe it doesn't apply only to HELOC. Maybe there's another financial uh, loan that you can get that could help you accelerate. Yeah. But so what do you think about HELOC right now? Is this still a good idea? You know, this is a really good question, <clears throat> Eric. And I was in the mortgage business when all those HELOCs were being called. Mm-hmm. And candidly, the, where they were being called more often than not was on the coast. They were being called in California and Florida and, you know, sun, sun states or beach states. And um, I think what was happening was the the home prices depreciated so quickly, and people were using their HELOCs as a purchasing tool. They weren't uh-huh. they weren't using it as an investment vehicle. So uh, the banks had to. They were out over their skis in terms of loan to value on these properties, right? Yeah. yeah. Today, I, I would agree that the HELOC is is a it's a little bit different animal because of the interest rate environment we're in. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're seeing HELOCs come in at somewhere between four and a half to five to seven and a half, depending on the lender. Yeah. And to be, to be quite candid, uh, it still works. The shred yeah. method still works even with rates that high. Mm-hmm. However, one of the things that we're also teaching people is if you have a fairly decent size emergency fund, yeah. we can peel away 10 or $15,000 of that yeah. and use that as a shred fund that yeah. does the exact same thing that, that the, that the tool would use a HELOC for. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's uh, that's right. And there might be other forms. I mean, you can get interest only loans out there. So you maybe yes. you could get a loan that is uh, is a second lien position on your house and use that. But at least it would be fixed interest rate and it would yes. be, uh, you know, not callable. Absolutely. Uh, so that that, you know, you can still use the same the same method at that point. Indeed. And the, the interesting way that we describe this sometimes is the line of credit or the the bank of money, the the, the account of money that you're using for this mm-hmm. is simply the operator account. Yeah. And and the operator account takes all income, it pays all expenses, it even pays your income. Yeah. Um, but it's merely a pass-through. Yeah. And the software through a, a complex algorithm is just showing you based on what you have coming in, what you have going out, 
and the amortization tables or compound interest tables behind it, yeah. it's going to tell you what to do to make that income more efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the other thing too, in, in California, and that, that was, I don't know if it was true also on the East Coast, but in California, people were literally living by refinancing their homes yes. and getting HELOCs. Yes. Because a lot of them, they couldn't, they couldn't even they afford. They couldn't afford. House. That's right. You know, and then they say, okay, well, you know, this is like, okay, well, I'm going to do some renovations or I'm going to do this or I'm going to need uh, more money. And then yes. they increase their HELOC. Then their HELOC would be maxed out and they say, okay, well, I'm going to refund. And then, you know, because the value of the property increased, but then that increased their payment, increased their interest payment, of yes. course, because as you mentioned, I mean, it resets the clock. And now yep. most of your mortgage payment is going towards interest instead of going towards the principal. That's right. And it's like, and then their situation was worse than it was before. And now they, <laughs> they did the same game again. And it was just like, yes. people were refinancing like so much. I came from, uh, from Canada in 2000. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I started working with people here and I was like, I was absolutely amazed by the number of refinance. People would refinance at once a year, sometimes twice yes. a year because their house was appreciating and they say, oh, I can get some money out. And and they wouldn't even invest that money for something else. Like it's one it, thing if you refi to invest in something and then you kind of pay yourself back. But it was yes. just to buy, you know, a boat or something like that. It, it was, it was as if it would go on forever. Yeah. I think that's how many people were operating yeah. and, and I'll, I'll see your, you know, some of your experiences and raise you. We had one mortgage broker who was refinancing his $700,000 home every four months, four months. My and he, God. and so what he would do is he would, he would refi his own property. Yeah. He would charge enough money in yield spread premium so that he would make two or three points on the back end. So he would get a $21,000 check from the mortgage company that he just refinanced to make wow. one payment, you know, and then yep. he'd refi it again. Well, wow, that's and, so excited. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, when I found out what he was doing, I was like, how is this even, how, how are they not calling him on it? How is it yeah. legal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just the wild west at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is, uh, this is great. Uh, so tell us a little bit about infinite banking and how that would work with, uh, because some of the things that you're say, say, saying, yeah. saying <laughs> some of these things, they sound a lot like infinite banking, kind of a, how yeah. do you use that? So tell us a little bit more how that infinite banking concept would fit yeah. in, into shred. Yeah. Uh, so what I do, Eric, and what I realized uh, once we had paid off the house the first time and we refinanced, uh, $200,000 out of the property that we, you know, almost owned free and yeah. clear. And we, we deployed that. So we put that $200,000 into a syndication. Okay. And the syndication was churning, I don't know, roughly about $800 a month in income. Yeah. Um, and then there was a back end payout after about three or four years. Yeah. So, so my thought was, well, if I can, if I can get enough passive income in from the money I just deployed that covers my mortgage payment, yeah. then I'm pretty much living for free. Yeah. And at that time we were still in the mode of shredding. So we went after the new 200,000, $240,000 loan yeah. and shredded that close yeah. to zero in about the same two and a half to three year period. And in the midst of that, what I realized, Eric, was what we wanted was a bank of money, almost mm -hmm. like a bucket. And our yeah. goal, the, the way I envision it is we're filling up buckets of money in order to dump those buckets of money into investments. Yeah. 
And I started doing a lot of reading and researching on infinite banking. Um, know that some of the wealthiest families in the world use that as a, a vehicle for investment yep. or passing wealth down to future generations. And so we dug in and, and we overfunded a cash value life insurance policy. Uh, and this, this is the kicker. That is funny because that's what I was about to suggest. I thought, hey, we could use like a universal life insurance. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. go, go ahead though. So, so we overfunded uh, a policy in my name yeah, yeah. for four years at $25,000 a year on the premium. Yeah. And essentially what we had was over the course of three and a half or four years, about $110,000. I rolled an old policy in, Yeah. had $110,000 in cash in that policy Yeah. and then said, okay, well, here's a bucket. Let's go dump that bucket somewhere and make more money. Yeah. And the key to the, the overfunding universal life or, or whole life policies in, from my perspective is people will be sold these policies by an agent, but most of the time it comes with a really hefty monthly a bill, you know, a premium on a monthly basis that you have to, to foot. And the challenge with that is you add a $2,000 monthly bill, it starts to feel oppressive. You're like, geez, I got to draw another $2,000 check. Yeah. Yet when you write a $25,000 check out of your HELOC, yeah. it's automatically earning compound interest, right? Yeah. It's already compounding on itself. The next year it comes real easy. We just write another one out of the HELOC. Yeah. And because our income is continually cycled through that throughout the year, mm -hmm. the 25 grand is shredded down to zero in yeah. you know months time. Yeah. So we, we realized that we just had a really effective mechanism going yeah. to, to empty and refill buckets. Yeah. And at some point you realize, I got to have more buckets to fill because there's going to be more, there's going to be more spigots that are turned on. At <laughs> but these are good spigots. It's not like you're leaking. The boat is leaking from all. These are good spigots that are bringing in cash flow. Yes. Your system. So that that's very good. Yes. Um, and I think, so, I mean, this is a little bit, uh, I mean, this is genius. This is like, uh, but it's not, I mean, it's not common sense. It's not like, you know, and normally you'd be like, um, oh, I need more money while well, I'm going to get a second job. Uh, yeah. You know, now this is like, okay, now I'm really, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, like the rich, I'm thinking like a, yes. a wealth generator. And uh, just by applying the, these concepts and stuff like that, you're able to make money, make passive income yes. without having to get another job and then uh, go out there. And uh, so that, I mean, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. It's, it's been, thank you for saying so. I, I tend to think it's pretty smart. It took my wife a while to, to realize how smart I was, but. Um, <laughs> <That's>, but <laughs> well, if you're, if your wife realizes you're smart, I mean, it, you know, you've achieved, uh, you have, you achieve everything <laughs> that a man could expect. Check the box. Right? <laughs> uh, I, um, uh, I, you know, what I tend to call this, Eric, is the 10 year freedom plan, because I really believe that in 10 years time, virtually anyone now it, it's, it's somewhat dependent on your, your habits and your spending proclivities and all of that. But, yeah. but, but virtually anyone could be financially free in 10 years. If all they do is they follow these super simple steps, yeah. shred for somewhere between one and three years, infinite banking for, you know, one to four years and invest in multiple streams of, of massive, passive, permanent income. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love your business model. Mm -hmm. These are homes. They can like, if I want to empty a bucket, yeah. I just go on to Martell turnkey. I'm like, well, which house would be a good 
investment here that could yeah. could generate turn on another spigot right yeah exactly and yeah you just get one i mean you get the loan the mortgage on it and then you you just shred it over a few years and yep. that, that really accelerate your portfolio absolutely uh, right now without even using your shred method i mean oh. someone could if they save quite a bit i mean they would be uh you know they would be able to achieve like financial freedom based on you know some reasonable number, you, you know, within yeah. 10 years. Um, but now I'm wondering, like, if somebody is using turnkey rentals, on top of that, they're using shred method. So maybe yeah. the, instead of waiting 10 years, they would be able to bring it down to seven years or five no years. No question. Right? No question. So, yeah. And it all depends on how they're using the leverage. Yeah. Because if they're doing it intelligently, where they're not they're not over leveraged. They're not super risky. It's all very calculated risk. And they know that the, the cash flow is there. Yeah. This thing becomes like a video game. You can't lose. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just how much time are you going to take to make it happen and have the consistency of it? Yeah. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't need the cash flow at the beginning. They're still working. They're saving. They just want to yeah. buy a house at a time. If you yep. don't need the cash flow, just dump it on, on the mortgage or, you know, if you have a HELOC or do some other method, but you know, really kind of like pay it down as quickly as you can and then kind of re-leverage and then go go get the next one. Get yes. now you have two buckets to fill now. That's and, exactly right. So, so yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's very good. Uh, now let's talk about the fire movement. Um, yes. So this has been around for a while. I mean, I, we used to I used to hear it quite a bit, which is uh, which is financial independence. I forget what the acronym stands yeah, for. Yeah, retire early. Retire, retire early. early. That's right. So, yeah. um, and then, um, yeah, so it used to be very popular. I used to hear it quite a bit, maybe like five or maybe even longer, older than that, yeah. five or six years ago. And now I, I'm not hearing it so much. Uh, yeah. so tell us more about that and kind of like your involvement with that and um, how can people know more about it? Well, you know, and what's funny about this, Eric, and I love the question about the fire movement, because I think I was maybe an early adopter of the fire movement before it was even a thing. And then Mr. Money Mustache really started, uh, you know, documenting his journey. And he's got a lot of mustachians who are, who are super frugal and, and, you know, yeah. put 10 people to a room at a conference and that kind of thing, which it's not my, it's not necessarily my, my version of fire. Yeah. Um, for me, very candidly, be my version either. Yeah. I, I like, I like a nice bottle of wine. I like yeah. good dinner. I love to travel. And, and when I travel, I tend to travel really well. Um, but fire for me was, was more about, uh, well, there was, there was one key strategy to fire from my perspective. And that was how do you minimize mm -hmm. your monthly liabilities but yeah. maximize the time that you're spending, the money that you're making in the time that you're spending. Yeah. So there's kind of a unique uh, algorithm or, or equation in this for me. And it was this, I kept asking myself, how do I make as much money in an hour as most people make in a month? Mm -hmm. And you know, as well as anybody that if you ask a question, your subconscious mind just keeps spinning on that question until yeah. it answers it. Yeah. And the answer that I kept getting was you need to, you need to continue on the professional speaking circuit. Like mm -hmm. just keep getting better and better and better Yeah, because you get to a point where an hour of my time might be worth somewhere between 5,000 and $15,000. Yeah. yeah. Now it may take a day or a day and a half to get to wherever I'm going, but usually I'm in Orlando or San Diego or Las Vegas or somewhere fun. Right. Yeah. Um, 
on occasion I'll be in like nowhere in North Dakota or Ohio or somewhere, but that's, <laughs> that's okay too. Um, but I started digging more into how do I make more money in an hour than most people make in a month? Yeah. <clears throat> and then how do we minimize our monthly expenses? Yeah. So I really need to do one gig in order to cover whatever our monthly nut is at home. Yeah. Wow. And we got to that point really quick because we have no car payments. We have no student loan payments, no credit cards. Our mortgage is paid for through passive income. Mm -hmm. um, my kids do have this nasty habit of eating three times a day, sometimes four. Uh, I don't think I can stop that. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we have learned how to build a life that really works for us yeah. on, a, on a limited uh, fixed amount every month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a return on time, basically kind of like maximize your return on time. Totally. And that's true. So that's kind of goes well and well. It goes uh, kind of hand in hand with, um, you know, financial freedom or time freedom is that. Yes. Yeah. You want to get your time back. And then once you get that, I mean, you, you, uh, I guess you value it or you appreciate it more and you don't, you're not willing to just like give it away or stuff like that's that. Right. It's if you want to get on my schedule, you know, you're going to, you know, we want to make sure that it's productive, that it's going to be valuable and all that kind of stuff. And that, it, it, and yeah. That, it, it definitely um, changed it changed the way that I looked at taking appointments because if it if it filled my bucket if it helped me fulfill values of mine yeah. I was all for it yeah. if it was something that you know clearly was a pitch or didn't support what I was trying to create in terms of family time or what have you mm -hmm. then I would turn it down and um, and I think just having a different perspective about that changes how you orient your calendar and your priorities and all of the above. Yeah. And so the fire movement is, uh, is this, is it dead now? Or is it like, uh, it's still out there and, uh, there's still, you can still find information about oh, that. Yeah. It's alive and well, okay. um, you know, there are plenty of people out there who are creating, and now there are different versions of it. There's lean fire, there's fat fire, there's yeah, that's it. That's barista it. fire. I knew there was different level at one point because I was talking to someone else and it's just like, okay, well, I don't want like the fire movement because I don't want to be frugal. I want to live my life. I want to enjoy right. it. I mean, if I can't do that, then what's the point? You right. Know? I'm not right. the van life, uh, as we mentioned. But uh, you know, so I'm. I want to live my life. I want to enjoy everything. Yeah. Uh, so if I can't do that, that doesn't work. But yeah, I heard about the the lean lean fire and now the the fat fire you mentioned and stuff like yeah. that. So these yeah. are more realistic. But how? Does the principle, the fire principle still apply or how, the, how are they change when you want to apply like fat fire versus like the lean, the lean fire? How yeah. does that change? I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, and maybe they're not the fat and lean fire, but uh, two that I like are barista fire, yeah. which is essentially getting <laughs> to a point on your expenses that you could work 50% time at Starbucks and make enough money to cover all your bills and have healthcare yeah. and, and you're golden, right? Like do it, do whatever you want. Now, some people might dip into barista fire for a period of time yeah. and then realize what they really want to do is whatever their side hustle is. And they start making money on the side hustle and that becomes their thing. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, one that a number of my friends will talk about is coast fire, yeah. which is, uh, at some point in time, you'll have invested enough money that the rule of 72 would suggest that you're going to have plenty of money into retirement. Yeah. 
So you, you could never invest another dime and you'll be fine in retirement. Yeah. And so you just work because you want to work, not because you have to, and yeah. you can choose what, you know, what hours you do and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different elements of this. One thing I will say is that when you look at the acronym financially, financially independent, retire early, the retire early always throws some people off because I would assume a person like yourself or, or me for sure. I don't know that I'll ever retire. I'll always do yeah. things, you know? Yeah. And people have business. a hard time. People give me yeah. a hard time because I'm I'm working, I'm doing this, I'm talking to amazing people, and I say, ah, oh, you know, that's because uh, I thought you you were retiring, and I thought you were financially free, but here you are working and stuff like that. But that's because I enjoy it. It's not because that's right. You know, yeah. like it's kind of it's kind of strange. People, are like, oh no, you have to go and play golf. You know, right, right, yeah. What does that look like exactly? <laughs> exactly. Um, I heard a, someone say she was going after fine, F-I-N-E, financially independent next endeavor, Oh, which nice. I thought that was cool. That is very nice. Because yeah. um, I don't know that I'll, I'll ever go after the R-E part. Um, <laughs> I think I'll write more books. I may do more documentaries <laughs> or try and sell a screenplay. I'm going to do something that yeah. fires me up, gets me excited, is creative. Uh, right now, obviously, the shred method is my project. Yeah, and we're working. My my big goal, Eric, is to uh, to have a million u- users, subscribers of Shred. Yeah, and to to help free them, free themselves to be themselves. Meaning, yeah. hey, get to a point where you let's not let's don't sh- just shred your mortgage or shred your debt. Let's shred your life yeah. to a point where you get to control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do people participate in that shred movement? Yeah. Um, so there. If you go to the shredmethod.com, yeah. what we have put there is there's a number of tools and resources that people can download. We have a HELOC guide that shows you what to go look for and ask for at your local bank or credit union. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a savings calculator that will spit out how quickly could you be out of debt given your income expenses and mortgage and all of that. Um, and then the the course really is what people sign up for, Eric. So the course teaches you everything the the what how what why and how yeah. of the shred method that would allow someone to get started on day one mm-hmm. um and then we have the software product that's a monthly subscription and mm-hmm. i described the software product as a behavior modification tool okay so our goal is to get people just trained in what to do with their money because we're trained to do what the banker tells us to do right now yeah or not trained at all we just <laughs> <laughs> or not trained at all exactly oh so that sounds that sounds very good i mean I, definitely a lot of and then you have a, a bunch of other books as well that are uh, you know that are available i'm assuming on amazon where they else? are yep yep uh, all on amazon yeah <laughs> the best delivery tool known to man <laughs> so uh where else can uh, can people reach out to you if uh if they are interested in the shred method or any of your other books or Obviously, you're on TEDx. On uh, what was that called? The TEDx. Um, the it was TEDx. The Lon- London Business School is where we did the the TED event. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. And um, so it's available on TED.com okay. and on YouTube. Okay. And we're up to I think six point two million views or something oh, like that at this amazing. point. Amazing. Uh, so it's been you know radically uh, uh, radically popular and shared a ton of times and on playlists and all of that. Yeah. Uh, but if people want to find more about me, yeah. adamcarroll.info, that's yeah. two R's, two L's, adamcarroll.info, 
or if you go to theshredmethod.com, yeah. that's where the calculator, the downloads, the courses that we've got articles in there, all that stuff's available at the shred method. Oh, that's great. That's very good. Um, the other thing I want to say, are you on social media, like Instagram and uh... I am. Yeah. Instagram, Adam.carol and the dot yeah. shred method. Okay. Two sites. Yeah. So TikTok, are you on TikTok? You know, what's funny, Eric. I, so I've been, I've been like wanting to dip my toe in the TikTok water and I just haven't done it yet, but oh, yeah. do, tell, do tell, is this a good, no, it's, it's yeah. just amazing. I mean, if you want to grow, uh, at access a group of people and stuff like that it really helps uh, expand your your boundaries your no normal network of people so it's pretty, yeah. pretty good it really spreads your your message to a bigger group instagram is kind of like it's a little bit slower to uh i mean you're at another another level on instagram but uh you know and when you get started on instagram it's kind of slow and slow and then until yeah. gets, then you you grow fast but uh but it's you have to be consistent and this yes. and continue to uh you know to publish but yeah well, i will start I, following I you on tiktok it. yeah i highly recommend it on tiktok yeah. yeah love that All love right. that well adam uh thank you very much anything else you want to add that you want to uh recommend to our listeners well i'll tell you what the the business that you run martel turnkey is from my perspective a brilliant model for someone that wants to a shred, but then leverage that equity into something. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who are very uh, cautious, fearful about getting into rentals. Yeah. But everything I'm seeing of, of your properties online, they're they're so well done. They're rent ready. They're rented. I mean, mm -hmm. these, this is the most, to use your word, turnkey kind of business uh, yeah. that I've seen. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm just super impressed with that. And I think the two of those hand in hand can really create that financial freedom people are looking for. Yeah. So Adam, I think we can talk about something like I could actually, if you have students and people that are interested, uh, yeah. pass them on to me and I'll give them like a thousand dollars off, uh, off a house. Anyhow. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. So, let's, yeah. Let's definitely connect on that. Uh, absolutely. All right. Well, Adam, thank you very much. And this, this was not rehearsed by the way. It's just like, <laughs> think about that just now. So, yeah. uh, so thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martell. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.